Thanks for joining us for this episode of 1514. It's a pleasure to have you as part of our audience. This episode is an interview I did with Ben Funkhauser, Executive Director of The Refuge, which is a residential program to help men who are struggling with all kinds of addictions. Ben and the team there bring the gospel and biblical wisdom to help men transition from a life enslaved to various addictions to a life of freedom in Christ where they can go forward and honor and glorify Him uh, in new life. I really enjoyed the time with Ben, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to 1514, the podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Our goal is to help Christians understand the truth of Romans 1514, that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm one of your hosts, Curtis Solomon. And I'm Lakin Brandt, your other host. Be sure to check out more resources from the BCC at biblicalcc.org. Well, Ben Funkhauser, thanks so much for being with us on 1514 today. Could you introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Ben Funkhauser, and I serve as the executive director at The Refuge in Winterset, Iowa, and uh, I'm ACBC certified counselor, and uh, I'm also commissioned through the TAC Network uh, with Mark Shaw as an addictions biblical counselor. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm excited today to have you on. We, we connected at one of the conferences, uh, Biblical Counseling Conferences last fall, and I was excited about Refuge and what you guys are doing there. So could you give our audience a brief introduction to Refuge? Yeah. Uh, so the Refuge is located in Winterset, Iowa. Um, it's a small town, kind of 35 miles southwest of Des Moines, so south central Iowa. Um, probably Winterset's probably about five to 7,000 people. Um, so not very big at all. Um, but we're a six month long residential discipleship program for guys who are addicted to drugs and alcohol. And um, we are just committed to the local church to the sufficiency of the scriptures and the biblical counseling. And um, we take an, ex- I stole this phrase, but we take an explicitly Christ-centered, Bible-driven approach to addiction counseling and really just want to help people with the Bible. Oh, that's fantastic. So what led to the founding of The Refuge? Yeah, so The Refuge started back in 2016. It was founded by a guy named C.J. McMurray, and he's actually on staff here at the refuge still. So he's the program director um, and the founder. Um, but the refuge grew out of a men's Bible study. So we had, um, we're part, we're very much connected with a church in Winterset called Redeemer Church. And when that church was started about 2016, there's a men's Bible study and there were just a lot of guys coming who were struggling with drug or alcohol addiction. Mm. And one of the questions that the church was asking at the time was, where's the darkness and how does the gospel go into that darkness? And one of the things we kept seeing was addiction um, struggles. And so that led to the start of a ministry in the church called Gospel Centered Recovery or GCR for short. And um, through that, that was a ministry for men and women. It's on Thursday nights. It's just Bible-based help for people struggling with addiction. Um, And then after that, we just kept seeing men who, like, their whole life was destroyed by addiction. And just there was really no feasible way in a normal life setting that they were going to get out of the struggles they were having. And so that led us to really start going, how do we give more intensive help? And so in 2016, The Refuge was started um, and it's very grassroots. Our our residential program didn't start till 2020, so it took us a while to get to where we could open the doors and have a residential discipleship program. Um, and there was a lot of steps in there, but that's kind of how we got to where we are today. 
It's a great time to open a residential program 2020. <laughs> there were some challenges with that for sure, but God was very faithful. Um, yeah. We had one summer, we had about one guy in our program and it was just very, we didn't know when COVID happened, we had no idea what was going to happen to the refuge, yeah. but God's been good. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm glad that it, it that he sustained it and you guys are continuing on the ministry that you're doing. Uh, you offer some other things besides residential stuff, which I'll ask about in a minute, but tell our yeah. audience, like it's, um, there are a lot of issues that people face that going and being a part of a residential program could help, but substance abuse, uh, addictions, these are, they have some unique factors that make residential uh, programs really helpful. Could you tell, speak to that a little bit, tell our audience, like what is it about uh, drugs and alcohol and things that make and, and overcoming that uh, yeah. uh, so benefited by a residential program? Yeah. Uh, I think just from our own experience working with guys is like the normal life setting just becomes so full of like temptations and struggles that there really needs to be a time where guys come out of just the normal temptations and routines of life to be able to focus on growth and transformation. And, you know, we start guys with the gospel, like their relationship with Christ and knowing Jesus is the most important thing. Um, but I think, they need intensive residential discipleship um, because like, you know, you think about alcohol, like it's just everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's at every gas station, it's in every grocery store. Um, and, and drugs are very easily accessible for anybody who wants to find them. And so we, we want to get guys out of the normal routines of life and then also remove distractions. And mm -hmm. so we're, we work really hard for the guys in the house here at the refuge to not have, TVs on during the week and to not have things like that going because it's intentional to get rid of the distractions. Um, but a lot of these things like drugs are just very quickly. They just, they ruin lives. Um, alcohol is the same. You might see guys who are very functional, but yet still enslaved alcohol and get to where they have, they have no job. They have no support system and really just need residential help. Um, we look to provide guys with a job, um, and we can maybe talk about that a little bit more, but guys come out of our program with five months of work history and a job, and, and lots of guys don't have a work history when they come mm -hmm. to the refuge, and so that's a big step, too. Yeah, yeah, no, that's huge, because I, I had somebody I was talking to about it. I don't remember if it was Mark or somebody else, just how life-consuming substance addiction can be, and it's just, like you said, one, it's everywhere, but it it's filling all your time. It's filling all your thoughts. It's filling everything. And it's great to have like a once a week group that you get together with, but man, that's one hour out of what, 247 or I can't remember right. the math on, on the hours in a week. Um, and it's, it's hard to say no for the rest of the time. So that's really helpful. Well, tell tell everybody, you mentioned it a little bit. There are three phases to the, to the residential program. Can you walk us through what those three phases are? Yeah. So, um, our program as a whole is three phases. I think probably our website needs a little bit of an update. Like two of them are residential and the one of them is like a transitional thing, but they all work together. And so the first phase is, um, 30 days long and guys don't work during that first phase. So that's a very intentional time of getting plugged into the church. Um, everything we do is very much tied to the local church. And so that Sunday worship, it's serving in the church, it's small groups, um, GCR, which I mentioned earlier, that's all in the church. 
um, we don't want the refuge to be here without being connected to the church. And so phase one, they do that. And then there's just a lot of counseling and discipleship and, and studies and classes that guys do in phase one. Um, we're just trying to get them in the word of God. And that can be a struggle for guys like the early phase where they, they think they're going to be really, really bored. And the first couple of weeks are a transition. And, and then we kind of help them see like we're filling your time and it's cool to see God, like just give men a hunger for the word, the more that they read it. Um, one of the things we do, and we just stole this from another program, but we have the guys write out word for word, all the Proverbs in the first 30 days they're here. And so, um, we, lots of guys don't have a history of reading the Bible at all. We just tell them like, just start copying the Proverbs down and they see themselves in the Proverbs all over the place. Yeah. Um, but that's phase one, 30 days of that. They have two classes a day, a morning class and evening class. Um, they're doing things in the evenings. Um, and then the second phase is five months and they start working full time at a local, um, chicken farm. So it's a big national company, but they have a big farm in Winterset. Um, and it's a big egg producer. It's called Rose Acres and, um, they hire almost all the guys that are in our program. Mm. And so that job isn't dependent on them being in our program. Um, but we just, it's a great place for the guys to work. It's, it's not a glamorous job. It's a dirty job. I mean, there's, there's, I think 12 houses, there's over a million chickens on site there. And so it's big. Um, but it's also, it's a, it's a good job for the guys. It's not super hard as far as like physically, and the Lord actually uses that to do a lot of sanctification in the lives of the guys who come to the refuge. And so the biggest change in phase two is they're working 40 hours a week during the day. Um, but the more, the evenings in phase one and phase two are basically the same. So our guys are doing like they're doing small groups at church on a Monday night. Um, they do gospel center recovery on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, they're doing one in Winterset where we're located and one at a church in Des Moines called Sailorville Church. Um, it's been cool to see God kind of grow that gospel center recovery ministry. Um, and so they stay pretty busy in the evenings. And once they're in phase two, they're really, um, there's not a lot of downtime. They come to work. Um, they're, they're doing counseling homework and different studies and they got their evening stuff they're doing. Um, so that's phase two. And then the third phase really is just a transition. Like guys will finish the residential program and then we work hard to try and help them figure out like what's next and have a good plan. Like make sure they have a good church to be plugged into, um, things like that. Um, put together, you know, even like structuring, like what's a week look like and how do you fill your time? And, um, one of the things we would love to do this year is have a transitional house, uh, somewhere in Winterset where like guys who, get done with the residential program with lots and lots of structure could go live in a, like kind of almost like a halfway house where they could have their own car, their own phone, um, but still be in kind of a, a good environment. Um, so we aren't there yet, but God's growing our ministry to where we want to take that step. And so um, that's kind of an overview of those three phases. Yeah. Fantastic. And it's not, I don't think it's your website's fault. It's probably my fault for misreading. I have to see that, uh, the transition is still such an important part of the residential yeah. program, even though they're not residential. So your, yeah. your, your website's good to go. So, <laughs> but, and that's the hardest part really is that transition. I mean, yeah. it's, it's easy for guys to do well when there's lots of structure. And I think that goes back to the earlier question is like why residential for substance abuse. And part of it is just structure. Yeah. Um, guys need lots of structure. And so the rubber meets the road when that structure isn't there anymore. 
Yeah, no, it absolutely does. So we'll we'll pray, and hopefully some of our audience will pray and maybe even support, give to support you guys in getting a, a transition yeah. house in place. That'd be a fantastic addition to the to the ministry. We um, that covers the residential, but you guys also offer a few other types of ministry through the refuge. Can you tell our audience about those? Yeah, so we offer non-residential counseling. We kind of think about like ministry in three different levels. So not everybody who's struggling with substance abuse like is enslaved to the point where they need to come to a six-month intensive residential program. Um, so we offer just non-residential counseling, um, and we partner with the local church with Redeemer to do that. So if someone's just not quite at the point where they want to um, come to the refuge or need to, we, we set up counseling with them uh, once a week, once every other week, whatever the frequency might be. And then gospel center recovery is the other thing. Um, so kind of we're thinking on levels, like level one would be GCR and that's on Thursday nights. Um, and it's, we do about 25, 30 minutes of Bible teaching. We're committed to just teaching the scriptures. Um, so right now we're walking through the book of John and we just, teach the word of God. And then we break up into small groups to discuss and have accountability and pray. And so it's kind of a, a simple setup, but that's kind of a baseline help for somebody. And then if that hour and a half a week isn't enough, we would start saying, Hey, what about some counseling? Um, and then if all of life is just overwhelmed by it, then we start saying we've got residential help. And so those are kind of the three things. Most of the people we work with are in our residential program but it is cool to see God change people through GCR um, and hear stories of people who like they've been drinking every day, very functional and by God's grace, they hadn't lost their family or their jobs and whatnot. But then hear people say, I haven't drank in a year or two and and see them get plugged into the church. That's really exciting for us. That really is the goal is that like people wouldn't be in GCR forever, but they would get plugged into the other discipleship things at the church. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And what what do you charge the for the counseling? So um, if if we're just doing non residential counseling, we provide that free of charge. If people want to make a donation, um, they definitely can. Um, but for our residential program, we have a seven hundred fifty dollar entry fee, and then that covers the first month, and then we start charging guys three hundred seventy five dollars a week once they're working and bringing in a paycheck. And, um, we just tell them like, that's, that's all inclusive. Um, they really outside of, you know, just some wants they have, like their needs are met. They don't have any other expenses besides their programming fees. So in in phase two of our residential program, it's $1,500 a month. Um, and we fundraise a lot to make it affordable. Um, we want guys to be able to, to be able to like leave our program and go find a place to live in Winterset and get by on close to what they're paying while they're at the refuge. And so um, we work hard to, and God's the one who provides those funds to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a huge benefit because obviously finances could be a hindrance to somebody getting yeah. the care that they need. So keeping it low cost is great. So anybody in our audience, if you, you know, you're just passionate about this kind of ministry and interested in supporting, please, please do. Uh, on that note, where could people find out more about that or go to give a donation? Yeah, they could go to our website, which is uh, com, And there's a, a give button at the top and they can go there and set up either like a one-time donation or if they want to do reoccurring, they could do that there as well. 
Um, if they want to mail a check, they can send that in as well. I think there's an address on our website to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, please, please do that as well as if the, if the Lord moves you to do that. Uh, one question I had with it too, and this is something that I know comes up in addiction counseling with, when a guy is looking to come to the minute to the refuge residential program, does he have to be clean? Does he, and if so, does he have to be clean for a certain amount of time or do you guys take people who are straight, you know, still using before they come? Yeah. Um, so we require guys to be detoxed when they come. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have to be sober for a long time, but they need to be detoxed. Um, that's basically just cause we're not, we're not a medical facility of any kind and we don't do detox. Um, and so, I mean, guys could be literally like one day, you know, one day sober. Um, we had a guy who graduated this year and we didn't know it till later on, but like, you know, he got drunk in the morning and he showed up here like at three or four in the afternoon. He wasn't visibly intoxicated anymore, like, which was fine. You know, we just, we want guys to get here. Um, but specifically like alcohol detox is kind of dangerous and we just, we want people to do that in the right way. So. Yeah. No, that's wise. I just know that that question comes up. So I wanted people to be able to hear your guys' policy on that. Um, <clears throat> the, obviously not every church is going to be able to do something like the refuge. Um, so thank you for having that, but the increased awareness of substance abuse with the opium epidemic, fentanyl, all these things, a lot of churches are looking to start ministries or to, to serve people who are struggling in these ways. What would you tell pastors, church leaders, anybody who's considering starting some type of ministry like that? Yeah. I think the main thing I would say is that the Bible is sufficient and it has all the help that anybody would need. Um, this is not an issue like substance abuse is not something the Bible is silent about. You're not going to find the word addiction. You're not going to find, you know, that sort of thing, but it obviously talks about alcohol. Um, but the Bible addresses the hard issues that drive substance abuse. And so I think that's the main thing. I the most important the Bible has the answers and, and don't be intimidated by this thing, by this sort of struggle. Um, I remember years ago at an ACBC counseling conference hearing um, Heath Lambert say something along the lines of, if you, if you know the scriptures, you're committed to scriptures and loving people like Jesus would love them. You can't make anything worse. So just get involved. <laughs> and, and that really has been something that I'll never forget because I, you know, getting into addiction ministry and substance abuse counseling, like there's a lot of situations even three, four years in where it's like, man, we've never walked through this scenario before, mm-hmm. but God's word is sufficient and it can powerfully change lives. Um, I think for churches, I would say like start simple and don't overcomplicate things. So it might just be uh, kind of a support group that meets on a specific night in the church where you're, you're teaching the scriptures and you're helping provide accountability. Uh, I mentioned gospel center recovery, and that's a big part of the refuge that's really all it is. There's nothing flashy about it. It's kind of a name and we're committed to the Bible and to discussing it and helping people with the Bible. And you really just need some people who want to own that and are willing to dive in and uh, get involved. And it can look a lot of different ways and, um, but it doesn't need to be complicated. Um, a lot of churches, I know like the church were involved with Redeemer church and Winterset. Like there's no way the church, on its own could have a residential counseling ministry. We're just not a big church. I mean, we're not tiny, but we're not huge. Um, but you know, you can start something and provide help for people and, um, and just 
stops, you know, I think the burden I would have is that the church would not just, the church would get involved and not let like man's wisdom just rule in this area of mm-hmm. substance abuse. Um, Cause man's wisdom isn't going to change anybody. Um, obviously with a verse, um, you know, what's the profit of man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. And that's my biggest fear with people who might find sobriety without the Lord is they gain the whole world, but they're going to forfeit their soul. If they don't know Jesus. And that would be terrible. Yeah. No, that's really, really helpful. It's encouraging too to remind people to to start small. I know a lot of people look at larger ministries or big things and just think, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Uh, yeah. And then it keeps them from starting something. So if somebody wanted to learn more, you mentioned you mentioned Mark Shaw, who wrote Heart of Addiction. Uh, any other, would you recommend that resource or any others for people who are just beginning to learn about this to, yeah. to go and study? Yeah, I would definitely recommend The Heart of Addiction. Um, We're just discussing that book with some guys here in our house today. And it's just, it's awesome. We don't read it with every guy that comes through. um, But for someone who wants to get involved helping people, I guess the first thing I ever read about, you know, addictions counseling. And so I would recommend that. I think um, The Addiction Connection, uh, Mark Shaw's ministry, has a lot of training that's available. Um, it's affordable. And I think, you know, even through ACBC and a lot of counseling training centers, there's training all over the place. Um, so I would get some training. Um, you definitely, I wouldn't wait till you feel like you're equipped to get started because I know I never felt ready. There's still days where I don't feel like I'm ready. Um, but I think there's great training. Um, the addiction or the heart of addiction is a great book. I'm trying to think Mark's written several um, one that we give to a lot of families is called divine intervention, hope and help for families and friends of addicts. And that's a great book as well to really kind of get to the heart of like what parents or, you know, uh, spouses are going through. Um, but that's really good. And I think like for us, like at the refuge, we never wanted to reinvent the wheel. And so when we started our program the year before we launched, I visited multiple ministries that were already doing this, that we were networked with just to find out what they did and how it worked and to see what like a a day in their life was like. And I would say like, you know, do that. And that's something even like at the refuge this year, we're working on trying to provide resources for churches that want to do a GCR sort of thing. I think one of the hurdles can be like pastors and ministry staff are already so busy. Like they can't Mm -hmm. add another thing. Um, And they might not have someone that's super equipped to study and teach the scriptures on their own. So we're working on like a James series and curriculum. We're going to kind of work through Ephesians. We just want to provide resources to churches. So they have something where you could take someone who maybe could, you know, take an outline and teach it, make it their own, that sort of thing. Um, and, and have what they need to really get involved with people. Uh, that's really good. Um, completely jumping topics, but you, you guys are in Winterset, Iowa, which is a small town. And I kind of, I almost yeah. wonder like that the ability to get distraction free and being in a small town might help <laughs> with that. But do you accept people from like, where, where are the people who are coming to the refuge? Where do they come from? Yeah, so we've had guys come from all over the country. Um, majority of our guys, not the majority, a good number are coming from Iowa. Um, and uh, But we've had guys come from Tennessee, Texas. We've had three or four guys come from Ohio. 
Um, you know, we, we just have a growing number. I think the addiction connection has been a big part of that. Just mm. trying to, to network outside of Iowa. Um, but yeah, we, in some ways, I think it's really good for people to get away from home when they're, if they can, when they're disenslaved by substance abuse. Um, we've got guys, we have a guy that was from our area, went through our program, was doing well, actually worked for us as a house manager. And then, um, went back to all the same struggles and he went to a program in Minnesota and he's doing really good. And, and we just tell him like, you need to stay in Minnesota. Like don't come back to Iowa. He's a single guy. Like you don't need to come back here. At least not right now. Yeah. Um, but we'll take guys from anywhere. Uh, and I have a lot of respect for guys who get on a plane and, and fly into Des Moines, you know, we pick them up at the airport and they come to Winterset, Iowa. I mean, it's, it's small town. There's four stoplights in our town, you know, and, you know, it's just, it's a culture shock, um, but God really uses it. Uh, we had a guy come from Joplin, Missouri named Rob, and he jokingly all throughout the time he was here for six months called this place Mayberry, you know, because compared to where he's from, it was just, it was so much slower. It was so much smaller. In a lot of ways, it's what he needed. So I would say anybody who's interested, we would love to talk to people from all over the country and we'll love to make an opportunity available to them. Yeah. This is another question I know comes up probably with, with every issue in counseling. Um, but I think I probably hear it a lot more with, with addiction counseling is uh, I, you know, somebody who might say I've never struggled in that area. Can I help somebody who struggles with that? Do you, does somebody have to have come out of substance abuse in order to help somebody else who's in it? Yeah. The short answer I would say is no, they definitely don't. Um, but to just expand a little bit, like that's my story, like substance abuse, drugs and alcohol, like it's never been my thing. Like it's never been my struggle. I definitely have other struggles. Um, but I think a biblical understanding of the heart issues driving substance abuse can equip anybody to help someone who's struggling. Um, you don't have to just been there, done that to be able to help someone. Now it's helpful. I think it's good to have someone that people can relate to. And like here at the refuge, um, I think that's one of the reasons that CJ and I make a good team because God saved him out of a life of, of addiction and crime. And he's been in prison and God has completely redeemed his life in radical ways. Um, you know, but I think just understanding that like a godly spirit filled word driven counselor can help someone with the word. Um, I just think in some ways man's wisdom and the world's wisdom has, has kind of dominated in that area where we think you have to struggle to really understand what someone's going through. I think there's all kinds of issues that are not substance abuse that are the root issue in the heart is the same thing, whether it's overeating, um, whether it's, you know, binge watching TV or playing video games too much or whatever they might be. Um, the word speaks to those things. And so I think it can be really freeing for people when they understand there's, there's help out there for maybe from someone who hasn't exactly walked in my shoes. Yeah, that's good. I just like to hear people have people hear that because just to remove any excuse we might have from, from stepping into a ministry that is going to be uncomfortable from time to time. We all know counseling is hard. Uh, it's not easy. It's going to be a lot of work, but just, tearing down those barriers that, that often come up. 
Uh, well, Ben, we, we're coming towards the end of our podcast, and I have a segment at the end called Two Minute Favorites. Before we jump into that, was there anything else you wanted to share, anything else that you'd like our audience to hear? No, I think I mentioned our website, but I'll mention it again. Uh, Redeemer, or sorry, that's wrong. Uh, Refugewinterset.com. Uh, that's our website. You can find out a lot of information there. Um, and there's testimonies. I think that's the thing. Like we got mm. some some testimonies of guys that have been in the program. If you if you know someone looking for help or you're considering it, we'd love for you to check those out. Um, ultimately, like we're just looking to provide an environment where man can have an encounter with God. And one of our recent graduates this year um, named Lee, he was sharing his testimony at one of our big fundraising events last year. And one of the things he said was. Um, God, you know, God, the Holy Spirit was the one who saved him, but the refuge provided him that opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work. And so that's what we want to be is just a place where people can be impacted by the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And uh, we love to provide that opportunity for people who need it. That's fantastic. Well, thanks again for sharing. Thanks for the work that you're doing through the refuge and, and thanks for being with us on the podcast. Uh, let me get my timer out for two minute favorites. Uh, it's just a fun, small, fun way for people to get to know you a little bit. And uh, I, I, it always entertains me. So there we go. <laughs> All right. First question, I'm going to start you with some softballs. So here we go. What is your favorite kind of food? Uh, I would say steak. All right. Favorite color. Uh, blue. Favorite sport? Football. Favorite sports team? Uh, Iowa State Cyclones. Favorite gift you've ever received? Ooh, well, um, salvation, uh, my wife marrying me, that's a, that's a huge gift. I don't deserve that. Uh, favorite gift you've ever given? Ooh, um, that's a good question. Probably, I don't know, uh, engagement ring when I got married to my wife. Favorite candy? Uh, Sour Patch Kids. Favorite ice cream flavor? I would go with like cookies and cream. Favorite word? And that is a tough question. I don't, I've never thought about a favorite word before. Have you Um, ever thought about a least favorite word? Someone on your podcast said moist, and that makes a lot of sense, I think. Uh, it's just not, it's just kind of a gross word. Yeah. Favorite book of the Bible? Um, I've been in James a lot recently. I think that's a really good book. Favorite book outside of Scripture? Um, I think uh, Instruments in Redeemer's Hands by Paul Tripp. Great book. Read it again for a second time this year. If you could have any superpower, what superpower would you choose? I think, uh, I don't know, being able to fly. Favorite animal? Favorite animal? Dog. Favorite job you've had excluding your current job? Um, I, I spent 10 years working for a company that sells fertilizer and grain handling equipment. Uh, I like doing that. All right. Well, that wraps up our two minute favorites. You got through a lot of the list. So well done. And thanks so much again for being with us on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. 
Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And special thanks to our team who helped make this podcast possible. My assistant, Rebecca Mullins, helps coordinate these interviews. And our podcast engineer, Caleb Lau, does a great job editing and putting everything together. We look forward to you joining us next time.